baptism, belief, behavior, those are what I would call Justin's three B's. And who, Father Ray, is Justin? Well, I'm so glad you asked. The Justin I'm speaking about here is none other than Saint Justin, who was a great philosopher and defender of the Christian faith, in addition to being one of the earliest martyrs of the Church. In fact, he was born right around the year 100, which means he was almost a contemporary of the Twelve Apostles. He definitely goes back a long way. In his writings, Justin gives us a pretty clear picture of the life and the teachings of Christianity in its infancy. In this regard, he's both an authoritative and a very reliable resource. Not surprisingly, some of his writings relate to the Mass and the Holy Eucharist, including this sentence, which is the one I want to focus on this morning. Justin writes, No one may share the Eucharist with us unless he believes that what we teach is true, unless he is washed in the regenerating waters of baptism for the remission of his sins, and unless he lives in accordance with the principles given us by Christ. There, in that one very simple sentence, we encounter all three of Justin's B's. B number one, baptism. No one may share the Eucharist with us unless he is washed in the regenerating waters of baptism for the remission of his sins. B number two, belief. No one may share the Eucharist with us unless he believes that what we teach is true. And B number three, behavior. No one may share the Eucharist with us unless he lives in accordance with the principles given us by Christ. I ask you this morning, how often have you been to a funeral or a wedding in a non-Catholic church during which the minister invited everybody to come to communion? How often have you been to a liturgy in a Catholic church during which the priest did the very same thing, just to be inclusive, just to be nice. Unfortunately, it happens all the time. And because of that, priests like me, priests like yours truly, who try to give people very clear guidelines for receiving the Eucharist based on the authentic teaching of the Church, we are sometimes called uncharitable and insensitive and a lot of other negative things. And I have the emails to prove it. Well, I don't think it requires a lot of scholarly research to figure out where St. Justin and the early Church stood on the matter. All you need to do is read that one line I just quoted to you from his writings and think of Justin's three B's do that, and you'll have your answer. The first requirement for receiving the Eucharist, worthily and fruitfully, according to Justin Martyr, is baptism, a valid baptism 
in the name of the Blessed Trinity. In fact, that's a requirement for receiving any one of the other six sacraments. For example, if you have an unbaptized neighbor who's on his deathbed, and that neighbor tells you that he wants to receive the quote-unquote last rites of the Church, that is to say, the sacrament of the anointing of the sick, your priest will not anoint him until after he baptizes him. As it says in paragraph 1213 of the Catechism, holy baptism is the basis of the whole Christian life, the gateway to the life in the Spirit, and the door which gives access to the other sacraments. Baptism, Justin's first B. His second B, his second requirement for receiving the Eucharist worthily and fruitfully is belief. No one may share the Eucharist with us unless he believes that what we teach is true. Notice something. Notice that Justin does not say no one may share the Eucharist with us unless he believes that what we teach about the Eucharist is true. If that's what he had said, I know some Episcopalians and some other Protestants who would fulfill the requirement. They will tell you, in effect, that they believe in the Catholic teaching on transubstantiation, which basically says that after the consecration at Mass, the substance, in other words, the inner reality of the bread and wine, changes into the substance of the body and blood of Jesus Christ, while the accidents, in other words, the appearances, the physical properties of the bread and wine, remain the same. That much they believe. They believe in the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament, and that's wonderful. But there's a problem. The problem is they don't believe a lot of other things that the Catholic Church teaches as true. If they did, they'd be Catholic. But the Eucharist is the sign, the visible sign, of our unity in faith, which is the point that St. Justin is making in his second B. St. Paul says essentially the same thing in 1 Corinthians 10.17 when he says, Because the loaf of bread is one, we, though many, are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. So the bottom line is this. Catholics should not be receiving at funerals and weddings at Christ Episcopal Church, which I've heard has happened many times, or at any other Protestant church for that matter, even if they're invited to do so by the minister. Because we Catholics are not sufficiently united with these other Christians in terms of what we believe. And also because, from our perspective, their Eucharists aren't valid which is another story, and I won't get into that today in this homily. I remember being at a big, charismatic conference at the old Providence Civic Center back in the late 1970s. Now it's the dunk, of course. And at this particular conference, there was a talk given by a Protestant minister, a great talk. And in this talk, this minister spoke about another conference he had attended which was ecumenical in its makeup. In other words, there was a group of Catholics present for this conference, and there were groups of Protestants from different denominations. And the minister said that they spent most of the days of the conference 
together, most of their time together. They prayed together, they sang together, they shared their faith with one another in discussion groups, they all listened to the same talks. But when the time came to celebrate the Eucharist, or something akin to the Eucharist, each group gathered separately. Catholics went to one room for their Mass, the Episcopalians gathered in another room for their liturgy, etc. And you know what? That's exactly what they should have done. Rather than pretending that they were fully united in faith when in fact they weren't, these people came together, they affirmed, they celebrated their common beliefs about Jesus, but they also acknowledged the fact that they were not united enough in their beliefs to share the Eucharist together. That's real ecumenism. Which brings us finally to Justin's third B, his third requirement for receiving the Eucharist worthily and faithfully, which is behavior. He says, no one may share the Eucharist with us unless he lives in accordance with the principles given us by Christ. This is why St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11:28, a man, a person, should examine himself first. Only then should he eat of the bread and drink of the cup. An honest examination of conscience should always take place before we approach the altar to receive Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Always. And if, in the process of doing that examination, we realize that we've missed Mass without a good reason or committed some other serious sin, we should not go to communion again until we've repented and made a good sacramental confession. Hopefully you can see that this is not just Father Ray's idea, which is what some people say. This is not Father Ray's personal opinion. St. Paul said it in the first century. That's when he wrote 1 Corinthians. St. Justin Martyr said it in the second century when he wrote about his three B's. This has been the constant and unchanging teaching of the Church for two millennia, two thousand years. And it's given to us for our benefit. We need to remember that. You see, the Church wants us to be open. The Church wants us to be open to all the graces that come to us through the Blessed Sacrament. But that openness will only be present if we receive the Eucharist while we're in the state of grace. In other words, worthily. If not, it becomes a sacrilege. So the bottom line is this, and I'll leave you with this thought this morning. We all need to take Justin's three B's very seriously in our lives if we want to experience the big B someday. Getting baptized, believing in the gospel as taught by the church, and keeping tabs on our behavior, those things lead to a worthy and fruitful reception of the Eucharist in this life. But even more importantly, they ultimately lead to what I would call the big B, the beatific vision, which of course is just another way of saying 
heaven.